Hello, welcome to North Douglas Church Online. I'm Pastor Rod Fair here in Victoria, British Columbia. Today is part six of our 50-day spiritual adventure in which I'm talking about the journey that Jesus took in order to get to Resurrection Day on Easter. And in this part, we're discovering that he has been betrayed, denied, accused, and judged. I want to remind you that we are in the midst of this 50-day spiritual adventure and we're looking forward to Easter Sunday morning when we're going to have a physical drive-in service at 10.30 here at the church. We'll still put all of the messages online like we have. You can find all of these different messages in this series on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, or on podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to those. I do want to remind you that we are encouraging you to write uh, inspiring faith notes, both for yourself and for people online. If you are able to post them around your house, whether it be a scripture verse, whether it be a quote from an author or a song lyric, something that encourages your faith, and if you post it on your social media page, please use the hashtag inspiringyourfaith so that uh, other people can click on that hashtag and they can see a whole list of things that people are posting there. And so keep on doing those things and encouraging one another as we work our way towards Easter. In this part six, we're talking about Jesus' most stressful night, really the night that he was arrested. And we are going to find that he has been betrayed and denied and accused and of course judged before he went to the cross. It, just going through all of these things and such a, emotional components to each one as the various groups and, and the various people really turn their back on Jesus. And so I want you to consider the things that he went through. And uh, I want you to know that he is your Messiah. And I'm going to challenge you today to have courage in and of yourself, to be able to live for God, to be able to pursue a life of faith. I don't know if you've ever had a really stressful day where it seemed like one thing after the other was like a domino effect of just bad things that happened. I mean, maybe you've woken up in the morning and you've pulled a jug of juice or some milk out of the fridge and it slipped out of your hand and it fell on the floor and splashed everywhere. And then the next thing you went to work and somebody had been using your desk and they had messed up everything. And then you, you know, you've gotten into your car and discovered you had a flat tire and it just goes on and on. And I, I know that there have been days when I just feel like nothing was coming together and I want you to know that what we're talking about in the life of Jesus is this, this night that just seemed to pile one thing on top of another. Maybe his most stressful time that uh, he endured when it came to relationships and dealing with people. So let's, let's look at the specifics about this night before Jesus went to the cross and the things that he endured. I want you to pay attention to Jesus' attitude as well as the attitude of others and what was motivating uh, each. So let's look at when Jesus was betrayed. Now, of course, Jesus was in the garden uh, of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives and he had asked his disciples to be there with him. And of course, all of them were there except for Judas. And uh, Jesus was praying about God's will, knowing what was coming. And then Judas comes. 
with this mob of people, uh, soldiers, temple guards, and he was betraying Jesus into the hands of the high priest. And of course, they had evil intent against Jesus and wanted to accuse him and kill him. And I want you to hear from Matthew chapter 26, some of the things that happened here, especially concerning the life uh, and the actions of Judas. Starting at verse 47, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Betrayed by a kiss. Can you imagine what it felt like for Jesus to have taken care of Judas and, and had him follow and had teaching him, letting Judas see the miracles and the wonders of God, and then to have it end like this, this relationship, this, uh, this follower that had been with him for so many years to be able to turn his back and betray him with a kiss. The, the emotional hurt that that would have been in Jesus' life. Now, Jesus knew it was going to happen, but that doesn't take away the sting of the fact that one of his own followers turned on him and betrayed him. Let's talk about being denied. You see, at the Last Supper, Jesus was with his disciples and he, he told them of all the things that were going to come. He told them about the fact that he was going to suffer and that he was going to die. And they all said, no, no, that can't happen. And, and you know, Peter was like, well, I'll, I'll die with you. I'll do anything uh, for you. I'll, I'll be there by your side every step of the way. And Jesus said, you know, even today before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. This is what Matthew had to say about the telling of this part of the story, starting at verse 73. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed and then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It, it's, a, it's an important thing to note that there's Jesus standing uh, you know, in that uh, place, the high priest's courtyard, being accused of all of these terrible things and the Jews being so intent upon doing harm to Jesus. And there's Peter trying to be a support, but he can't be He's so concerned about his own life and, and the threat to his own life. You know, the Gospel of Luke, when Luke tells this part of the story, he said that when Peter had denied him the third time, that Jesus turned and looked at him. It's, they knew what was going on between Peter and Jesus. Jesus knew that Peter was going to do it, and although Peter didn't want to do it, he did it anyway. He denied that he even knew. He called down curses, <laughs> and he swore that he didn't know Jesus. Only to realize that when the rooster crowed that he had done the very thing that Jesus said he would do. 
he denied the Lord. And he was to be the leader. He was the, the leader of, of the disciples and he was the rock for the, the future church. And yet here he was turning away from Jesus. How much would that have hurt the Lord to carry that? Even though he knew it was coming, it's still a hard thing to bear. Let's talk about Jesus being accused. You see, when he was arrested, there was those temple guards that brought him to the place of the high priest. They brought him before the Jewish religious councils and they were accusing him. There was many false things that were said. There was a lot of, uh, of things that were not right. And Matthew uh, tells this part of the story, starting at verse 62, he says, Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. You see, the religious leaders never could accept the word of Jesus. They couldn't accept the works that he did. They couldn't accept his teaching. They didn't want him to be the Messiah. They did not want him to be the king of heaven. And so they, they were intent upon refusing. They were intent upon his death. And so they plotted to kill him and accusing him of blasphemy, accusing him of being the son of God when they didn't believe that he was, they sentenced him to death. But they couldn't kill him themselves. They had to bring him to the Roman governor. And so in order to be properly judged and executed, they had to bring him before Pilate. And in this judgment, the Jewish leaders brought all of their accusations. They brought Jesus and said, this man is a, a, a rebel and he is against the Roman government and he's causing all these problems. And Pilate didn't know what to do. He was, uh, uh, you know, at the time of the Passover feast was going to happen and the Jews were all stirred up and they were uh, intent upon causing a riot. And so what was he going to do? And he questioned Jesus. And this is what it says in Matthew 27. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. Now you see the Romans were intent on trying to keep peace in the, in the city of Jerusalem. And so Pilate had this practice that at the Passover time, all these people, great feast, that he would be magnanimous and release a prisoner and therefore would appease some of the Jewish unrest. And in the process, they had a prisoner, Barabbas, who was an insurrectionist. He was against the Roman government. And so um, it was possible for the chief priest to come and say, we want 
to release Barabbas. But Pilate wanted to release Jesus because he didn't think Jesus had really done anything wrong. And this is what it says in the verses that followed. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And of course, then he handed Jesus over to the guards to be executed. You know, the Gospel of John tells us that Pilate was finally persuaded to judge Jesus uh, for execution, to pass that judgment against him because the Jews basically threatened him. They, they said that Jesus was calling himself a king and the only king that they had was Caesar. In fact, it says in John 19, 12, these very things, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. You know, Jesus was judged that day, not according to laws or the principles of morality. Jesus was judged by public opinion. And the Jewish religious leaders had made the public persuade Pilate that Jesus should be executed. They were so intent uh, to have Jesus put to death that they walked the line that caused uh, Jesus to be brought to this place, to suffer through all of these things, and then to be killed. You see, Jesus really was betrayed and denied and accused and judged and then sent to his death. And you think, yes, he knew it was coming, but how hard to endure all of the pain and the suffering that was happening. The emotional pain of all of these people that, that many that he knew and he loved and others that were the, the people of Jerusalem that he cared for, and even the religious leaders that he wanted them to know God, but they just had turned their back on the God, God's plan. And here he bore all of this suffering, he took it on his body. Why did this all happen to Jesus? You see, the heart of the matter is that Jesus was killed because the Jews did not want him to be king. They did not want him to be Messiah. But from God's perspective, Jesus' death was really a fulfillment of the grand plan of salvation. You see, the people that caused Jesus so much pain, they, it was really an issue of, of kingship. I mean, the, the Jewish leaders and the crowd, they did not want Jesus to be the Messiah. Even though he had done these miracles and taught about knowing God, they did not want to follow him. And uh, the difficulty was, of course, that the, the crowd who had shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, you know, you're the savior, you're the king, uh, then turned on him and shouted, crucify, crucify. They just 
did not want Jesus to be the Messiah that was sent from God. But this is all part of God's plan. It was God's grand plan of salvation, and he foretold it long, hundreds of years before. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter four, or 53, we see what God had in mind. And Jesus knew all of this as well. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 4, says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And then continuing in verse 10, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Jesus bore the pain, and he suffered, and he died. And yet, God had ordained this. God had set this plan in motion, not only that Jesus would offer himself as the perfect sacrificial lamb, that his body would be sacrificed, his blood would be shed, that there would be an atonement for the sin of mankind. There would be the possibility of forgiveness for people if they believed, if they trusted in, in Jesus Christ. And at the same time, he knew that it wasn't just the sacrifice of God the Son, it was also the resurrection. It was the promise of life, it was the promise of enduring days, of eternal life, that people would be able to not just throw off the, the bondages of guilt and sin, but they would be able to be heirs with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And this is God's grand plan of salvation. But how hard to walk that road. And this is the courage of Jesus. We have to consider that Jesus endured such terrible pain in the midst of this trial, in the midst of being betrayed, in the midst of being arrested, and, and all the things that happened to lead him up to the sacrifice on the cross. Yes, he knew it was coming. He knew the will of, of God the Father. But at the same time, to be able to walk that road, to be able to have the courage to endure the suffering. Jesus really is an example of great courage in the midst of terrible difficulty. And this is the main point of my message today. Have courage to live for Jesus since he courageously died to bring you deliverance from the judgment of sin. You see, Jesus had courage and he is an example of what it means to stand in the midst of difficulty. And we need that kind of courage. We have all kinds of difficulty in our own life. Can we make the choice to be faithful to God? And this is the key thing for our life. If we are to live a life of faith, we need the courage like Jesus had. He is our example. Can we make that choice to live courageously and faithfully for Jesus Christ? Can we serve God with that kind of dedication that Jesus had to even endure the pain and to take the suffering upon himself? 
I mean, he is a great example of what it meant to go through really, really difficult things. And yet here we are, and we don't have to die for the sins of the world. Jesus had already done that, of course. But God is asking us to live for him, even in the midst of difficulty. And so can you, can I make that choice to live for God all the days of our life? Living for Jesus involves, you know, confessing our sin, saying that we have been wrong, to be able to come to him and say, God, I know that I've done wrong things. Can you please forgive me? You know, some people have a really hard time admitting that they're wrong. But if we're going to live courageously, if we're going to live faithfully, then we need to be able to come to God and say, yes, I've done some things wrong. God, please forgive me. Can we trust God with our own pain and difficulty? We know that there's going to be difficulty in this life. And we need to be able to be honest, to come to God and say, listen, I'm struggling. Can you give me the courage to carry on? Can you give me the courage to be able to live for Jesus in the midst of the circumstances of my life? And I know that if we can do that, to live for Jesus means that we will get strength from God Almighty that the Holy Spirit can breathe life into us so that we can gain strength from Him. To live for Jesus means to worship Him, to take the time to actually spend our time talking to God, to be able to praise Him, to be able to spend time in prayer. Are we willing to do that? Can we have the courage that says, you know, we don't need to watch another TV show or we don't need to play another sport, but that we do need to spend some time with God. If we sacrifice all of our moments for the things that we want, well, where is the living for Jesus in the things that God wants? How can we connect with God if we don't spend time with him? Living for Jesus also means listening to the Holy Spirit. To have those moments when the Holy Spirit can breathe life into us, that we'll know what God wants and that we can be empowered by the Spirit to do the things that will serve the kingdom of God. God can help us if we will spend time listening. So I want to challenge you today to have courage to live for Jesus. He had courage on our behalf and we need to spend some time in prayer. We need to live for God faithfully. We need to share the truth of Jesus with other people. And we can do that if we make the choice to do that. Let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you for this teaching and for the example of Jesus to go through such a difficult time to be betrayed, to be denied, to be accused, and to be judged in such a manner. The brokenness of our world exposed and it came on to the back of Jesus. And I am thankful that he bore our pain and suffering. He bore our iniquities. I'm thankful that he was a sacrifice for our sin. And I pray today, God, that you will help us to live in a matter that is following the example of Jesus, to be courageously living for you, God Almighty. Help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for the opportunity of teaching today. If you have a prayer request, that you would like to send to us 
if you send it to prayer at northdouglaschurch.com, I will pass it along to the, the prayer team and the leaders in the church, and we'll pray over your request. And just believe that God will answer and help in your difficulty and in your time of need. Will you stay with me for a few more moments and worship along with the song, Living Hope.
in your name. 